Hi, I'm Holly Cairns, a TD for Cork Southwest, and this is my podcast. They're very excited about their candidates in Cork Southwest, but I mean, that would be the mother and father of all election shocks. Holly Cairns, if she was to win down there. No one outside of those close to Holly Cairns really believed that it was possible, but she confounded all of her critics and is now on the way to Leinster House. We're back um, after almost six months, the podcast returns. So one of the things we've heard an awful lot since the election is when is the podcast coming back? I remember when we first started the podcast, we were trying to decide what to call it. We we're thinking county colours, all these different things, because county hall. And we decided to go inside the chamber kind of as a joke at the time that, well, when, when we make it to the doll, we can keep the name. I suppose this is season two of the podcast. It is instead of inside the chamber with Councillor Holly Cairns, we're now inside the Dole chamber with Deputy Holly Cairns. <laughs> and we have so much to catch up on. So for this episode, we are going to focus on a kind of recap of the election. The last time we recorded a podcast, it was the week of the election. So just kind of the lead up to it. So there's a lot to, to catch up on. There's always been a global pandemic since then. So it seemed even further ago, like... Looking over the election itself, a snap election coming up in February, what are your sort of overriding memories from that time? In one of the last podcasts, we talked about the kind of nature of the snap election and how, you know, I think when it came to election day, a lot of us on the team felt like we've done as much as we possibly can. Like I had a limp at the end of it from canvassing. But we also had the feeling that perhaps if we just had another week, like the amount of time we had in the local election and we kind of scraped it in by one vote um, and a way bigger constituency for this one we really had that feeling that we wish we had more time like a winter snap election is not ideal for a new candidate but it turns out we had just about done enough (laughs) by the time we were going to the count center everyone was wrecked and kind of running on adrenaline also excited it's kind of a a really hectic environment like if you anyone can turn up which i never knew about counts before I went for an election myself. And people do. So there's loads of familiar faces from the last election. Almost felt like we had never left the community hall in Planacilty. And loads of people who are just really interested and really good at tallying and stuff turn up for the kind of all the goings on. And one of the standout memories is um, a lot of families turned up, parents bringing their young daughters along to meet me, which was really... I didn't like quite understand why at the time, but um, I suppose it was... There's an expression that you have to see it to be it. And for a lot of young girls, seeing a, a younger female on the poster sort of changed the way they viewed the election and what was going on and have become quite engaged in it as a result um, to the point where they came along to the county centre to meet me. And three girls in particular, it was the cutest thing. Um, they wanted like a picture and to say hi and all that stuff. And we were having a little chat and I asked them if they wanted to be politicians when they grew up and... Um, of the three, two of them wanted to be Taoiseach and one of them wanted to be hairdresser. And it was just really lovely and kind of the realisation that actually just female participation is so needed and helpful. Um, we're so far behind. Um, you can see it, you know, the first sitting of the Dole was the only full sitting we had in the Dole Chamber because since then we've been social distancing in the convention centre. But um, I remember a lot of the journalists saying it to me afterwards that it's quite amazing to look around the room and see the lack of women in that room. And I remember Catherine Murphy saying to me on the first day, 
you're one of about 100 women to ever sit in this room, which is <laughs> disgrace. And people are always congratulating yeah. me like, oh my God, congratulations on being Cork's only female TD, such an amazing achievement. But like the reality is that it is shocking truth. Um, mm-hmm. It's a weird thing to celebrate, even though like obviously... Um, I'm glad there's one and glad, you know, happy to represent or whatever. But the, the overarching problem there is that there shouldn't be one female TD in all of Cork City and County. That is pretty tragic. One of the interesting things that you highlight is that people can do attend. And it's, I think one of the strengths of our democracy uh, that people have those facilities because proportional representation of single transfer vote is quite a complex system <laughs> um, but it's so good to be able to see it happening and it, it's only when you see it happening do you fully understand it and the power of one vote and I you being sort of the know. embodiment of that as a team we've been on both ends of the pros and cons of our voting system and even when i'd only experienced the cons of it i love it i think it's more democratic but for example, in the local election, if it had been just down to first preference votes, if you had one vote for one person, we would have taken the third seat in the Bantry electoral area. However, transfers kept bringing us down and we ended up in a fight for the last fourth seat um, down to one vote. So that was an example of how transfers can really bring you down. <laughs> but in this one, we were fifth in the first count. We were 100 votes, just less than 100 votes behind Paul Hayes and transfers slowly brought us up to the third seat. So certainly experience both sides of it, but I would encourage people to go along to the count just to see how important, we've, we learned that in the local election, how important your vote is, how important all of your votes are in that ballot, like to vote the whole way down the ballot paper. And there was big vote left, transfer left sort of movement at the time. And I think it was effective. Um, well, I think it was very surprising for the established parties to see how well people transferred to you. You know, they just didn't understand it because they would have had very organised transfer packs between candidates. And it didn't really work out that well. And yet the green transfer to you, the Sinn Féin transfer to you was, I mean, phenomenal and wasn't planned and wasn't agreed. So it was quite interesting how um, a kind of unofficial campaign, vote left, transfer left, had such a massive impact on the day. Absolutely. When you think about it, so many people said to me that like at around sort of half one, two in the morning, because our kind stay going all night, they just thought, oh, she can't make it from there. You know, she's, mm-hmm. I trailed behind with. And then, lo and behold, <laughs> in the final count, we got a huge amount of transfers from Sinn Féin and people woke up in the morning thinking, oh my God, didn't think that could happen. So it goes to show the extraordinary impact of voting down the whole way down the ballot paper. Mm-hmm. You were still going in as the underdog um, that day. And did you get a sense of that in the room? How did people respond to you? How did the media respond to you? Yeah, always the underdog. And sort of used to it at this point as well. And we've talked before about how, you know, that can be... It's not necessarily a bad thing. And there's no point in complaining about where you, you're positioned in politics or an election. You have to kind of get on with it and work with where you're at. I think in a way being the underdog is a strong position because it's like Ireland in sport. It's the only kind of place we know how to be and like we like rooting for the underdog and yeah. it's perhaps, I don't know because I've never not been the underdog, <laughs> but maybe it's an, a nicer position in some ways. Mm-hmm. But with that comes a lot of being disregarded and sometimes made feel like you're being ridiculous, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. 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 Certainly uh, by the media, not being mentioned and there was a lot of, people in the count centre that day that I don't know explaining to me how the count worked I guess with some kind of presumption that I didn't understand having been through several counts (laughs) several recounts I remember 
looking at the RTE do like a description of every constituency in the country during the count mm. and they sort of explain different candidates and they keep you up to date with how the transfer patterns are going and all that sort of stuff, the tallies. And in the Cork Southwest one, they had a description of all of the candidates and it would say, you know, Deputy Murphy Armani, Deputy Collins, Councillor Hayes, Councillor Coakley, all of that. And then it said Mayor um, of the County, Councillor Christopher Sullivan and his partner, Holly Cairns. So the only person without a title. Um, and I remember just feeling like, last straw. sometimes you're better off not wasting your time and energy on things like that. Like, there's no point in getting angry about every single thing that happened. But at that point, it just felt so unnecessary. Geraldine Harney, who was the RT presenter for the Cork Southwest Count Centre that day, and she was so understanding, got it changed immediately. And later in the day, when it came to the final distribution of vote for Paul Hayes, all of our tally team had gone back to the tables to try and see what was going to happen. Could we get like two and a half thousand plus transfers? Long shot in a way. And me and Claire, one of my campaign managers, were sitting just on these two chairs in the middle of a fairly big and relatively empty room at this point because it was like all hours of the morning. And it was Geraldine came up and said, someone from Fine Gael just told me you're going to do it. You're going to make it up the line. We were like, no, surely not. <laughs> can't be. But at that point, you, I mean, you can't get your hopes up because you just never know. What's going to happen? Transfers. Mm -hmm. And I think we were in denial a little bit because it was such a huge ask. So I think you needed to get over two and a half thousand votes from Paul Hayes's transfers. Got how much, Richard? Three thousand? Three thousand twenty-three. Because I, I do remember there was a point where we could kind of tell that people were suddenly, you know, kind of looking towards you and with shocked faces. And we thought, oh God. But I remember just thinking it's, it's going to be really close and there'll be another recount. <laughs> Thinking about it. The flashbacks. I remember before the election, one night coming back after camping, which was like every night, and there was people here just sleeping everywhere, sofas, beds, all sorts, and mum coming in being like, you were mentioned on the Mick Clifford podcast. And being like, what? great, what? Um, and they're saying that basically he had said it would be the mother and father of all election shocks if I got in. Um, which isn't exactly a great, you know, <laughs> plug. But um, then there's a picture that I saw afterwards, an RTE picture of the, in the kind of throes of the count when it's really busy and in the middle of the room, there's me, my mum and my dad looking over a clipboard and now she's like, that's it, the mother and father of all election shots oh. right there. So yeah, I suppose it was unexpected, but... And Paul was great, considering, you know, it must have been very tough for him on a day when Sinn Féin just romped home in so many constituencies and um, brought you over the line and the green transfers in particular were a big boost early on. I know one of them were leaving the county centre that night nearly one of the feelings I had almost as much as like oh my god we got the seat was I have such massive admiration for that man he's so gracious so sound like even just going back to when I was in the council probably the most supportive and helpful and amazing colleague in there biggest shout out ever to <laughs> Councillor Paul Hayes <laughs> and his wife and family. Is it just complete Hayes like actually getting a lick? Yeah and the, the footage of the eighth count is mad really you can see it on I think it's on the Southern Star website. Again then it was just crazy this is all of the journalists coming up and feeling pulled and dragged in every direction. We kind of we're like we're supposed to go back to the house like we couldn't go anywhere to like somewhere in the town for a celebration drink or anything like that so we came back to the house and when I went out got into the car um with my friend Rose who'd flown over to to help out and tally and stuff and the car wouldn't start but it was such an anti-climax <laughs> like, oh, and then 
car wouldn't start, I'd ring my dad uh, to come back and pick us up. And then people who'd remained at the count until that hour of the morning came back to my place and we had a glass of champagne. This was about 5am mm. at this point, I think. Mm. But it's yeah. one of the good things, I suppose, about Cork South West in, in, in fairness to the staff who run the who run the camp. It's like it goes through the night, so everyone, yeah. everyone finds out that day. Yeah. Which is, I think it's better for everybody. Although the staff do phenomenal work because they're there from eight that morning. <laughs> and they're counting till four the following. Yeah. Like if day. I had been, yeah, God, it is a blur, actually, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were going to bed, being so tired but so awake. 96 FM messaging me, furiously like, please, 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 just do, we can pre-record it now at like six in the morning or whatever it was. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Good thing doing a little radio interview, getting up and being like, well, that probably wasn't a great idea. <laughs> and sleeping briefly and getting up in the morning, doing Sean O'Rourke. And then it just kept going. Mm-hmm. Nothing, I thought that like, I need to get through this three weeks. I had been sick for the first week and just was like, just get through two more weeks. And then there's some kind of a break. There wasn't. It was then the party, thanking everybody, media, interviews, up to Dublin to sign the writ. That day is even more of a blur. I think that was when it was like, to, you know, the level of tiredness had gotten to an extreme and... We're standing outside the front of the house and the press were asking us questions and I was like, I hope one doesn't get directed at me because I'm not quite sure what they're saying. Like I'm so, <laughs> I was like, don't fall asleep. Keep your eyes open. Um, we went up to, you know, the second floor of Leinster House and you sign the writ with the clerk of the doll. So it's this thing where you sign in. It's like almost like a roll book in school because it was such a great day for the Social Democrats as a party. We tripled our TDs, our first real general election. We went for a celebratory lunch, the six of us. It feels like very soon after that, there was the first sitting, the first day of the Dole, we actually go in and sit down and we had a really pointless selection of a Taoiseach that we knew wouldn't actually result in any Taoiseach. So that was one of our first kind of like parliamentary decisions. What do we do when there's a pointless vote? We don't engage in pointless votes. We knew that nobody was going to be elected. We wouldn't vote for any government or Taoiseach without seeing a programme for government. It's a ridiculous concept. So we abstained from that vote. Not a fan of abstentions in general, but when it's ridiculous I think it's important to point that out as well yeah my mum came along uh, my dad was out of the country probably recovering from lots of canvassing and Catherine Murphy gave me extra tickets of hers so it was amazing I got to bring along my grandparents and um, so my granddad turned 89 there recently it was amazing to have them there and two other very special people in my life my auntie Sarah and my cousin Poppy came as well so it's kind of yeah it felt like a first day in school we had lovely lunch in the in the Dole restaurant and shared a table with Keanu Callan's family. He's our housing spokesperson of Social Democrats, newly elected TD also. And it feels like really not that long after that, it was like, oh my God, there's a global pandemic. It was like a couple of weeks going up, speaking on different things. And then it was just so hectic. Again, it was like we were up in Dublin speaking. Richard was with me. We were rushing back down to West Cork and there was three events that evening. Mm. We'd just done the Irish Times Women's Podcast interview as That's well. That's right, yes. Yeah. And when we were waiting to go in to do the Irish... I've always been a massive fan of the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I was really excited to go on. I went on with Claire Curran, amazing Sinn Féin TD, and Jennifer Carroll McNeil, amazing Fine Gael TD. Really impressed by both of them. And since then have gotten on so well with them. They're brilliant. But the three of us went in to do an interview. We arrived and we were talking to Claire and Jennifer was like glued to her phone with her headphones in and was like, the announcement's come in. Like lockdown is starting and it was like this really eerie moment and then we just went into the women's podcast and they were like this is such a strange time we're supposed to be talking about women in politics the newly elected female tds but we can't like we just have to talk about this 
we left her in the car and every single one of the events we had that evening are cancelled one after the other. That was it. It was into lockdown. Being a TD and I think any public representative is essential work. So we weren't exempt from working during that time. We just followed the guidelines and did as much as possible remotely. But still up to Dublin for at least a day a week be something. But it would be up and down in one day um, rather than go up for three, four or five days, which is the situation now. There was like a kind of, they formed a COVID committee and the, the understanding and agreement between all parties, we need cross-party cooperation and coordination on how to deal with this and not, like, we couldn't even facilitate it with social distancing to full, big, dull mm. debates and stuff. So a lot of stuff was pushed out, including the formation of a government. All of those things, I mean, the timing in that context was a bit mad. Couldn't pass legislation. We needed, the, you know, the full Senate and the Taoiseach's nominations are part of that. So it was all a bit of a logistical nightmare. Almost eerie, being on the motorway in the height of the lockdown was mad. It must have been, yeah. Mm. But now we sort of are operating with Leinster House, the Dole Chamber and the Shannon Chamber and the Convention Centre, which is like the most humongous auditorium I've ever seen in my life, where all of the TDs can be present, socially distanced and voting. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what we use at the moment. And then we have things like COVID committees and other committee meetings in the Dole Chamber, which require less people. But it's like atmospherically strange in there compared to I've only really experienced it once in the door but it was when we were all in there that day it was felt like something if that makes sense mm-hmm. in the convention center you feel like you're in the airport in like a really empty departures lounge at about a time when it's not busy with flights like that's the so for example like when Michal Martin got elected Taoiseach it, it didn't feel like a momentous occasion because even I was saying you know regardless of if it's not the government you want to see formed this is a amazing and interesting and you know day to be at for parliamentarians or whatever just in all honesty it didn't feel like it it felt like a bit dead atmospherically even his wife couldn't be there because of the restrictions mm-hmm. so yes yeah, strange times for everybody oh, so i owe so many thank yous so people always congratulate me in the election but it's a lot more than one person involved in winning an election I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am today without so many people. Um, all their help and support. The the core campaign team, Pamela, Claire and Richard. The whole the canvassers, so many in the end. We were so lucky. They built up over time and it was amazing to turn up to canvases and see friends, family, strangers, everything. Posters, it's incredibly labour intensive and hard, particularly in February when it's dark at about half four or five o'clock and it's raining up ladders driving around they're heavy in the wind they're dangerous as the most incredible postering team we had a campaign office a hq in skull and that was being womaned almost every day by amazing volunteers incredibly sound um thanks to everybody who donated uh, spread the word and you know <laughs> big cringe but massive shout out to my mum <laughs> for everything and all my family i had aunts and uncles and cousins coming down from Dublin to Canvas and help uh, to tally. And uh, my dad came and stayed for about three weeks to do all of the above as well. Look, thank you for that. That that was like six months. Thank you. Yeah, no, loads (laughs) to add. I can't wait to tell you all about parliamentary party meetings, what happens there, doll sittings, the different types of contributions we make, how it all works, how bills and motions are developed and passed or not passed. Yeah, inside the doll chamber coming up. Please follow me on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. The music theme is
Safety Net by Riot, taken from the YouTube audio library.